0: This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now here's Mary Stirk.
1: Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And today our topic is death cleaning. What? All right, yeah, that's a crazy name for a show. With me today, I have Julie Chadwick, who's one of our financial planners out at Stirk Financial Services, and this topic is something that we've kind of been tongue-in-cheek giggling about
0: for a while. (laughs) It's not something really exciting that people want to jump and say, hey, I better check that out. (laughs) I know. So here's the thing. We came across this book that
1: we thought had a title worth doing a show about, Because the title is kind of so jarring, it made us think about, well, what can we talk about from a financial perspective that actually is going to benefit our listeners? So this book is called The Gentle Art of Swedish Death Cleaning.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank goodness it's from Sweden. (laughs) I guess so. (laughs) So
1: apparently in Sweden, this is a phenomenon. They call it death cleaning. And basically what it is, is this. There is a Swedish word that is about unloading and decluttering and it's called dastagning. And it's a hybrid of the words for death and cleaning. So this is all about as morbid as it sounds, the process of cleaning your house before you die rather than leaving it up to your loved ones to do after you're gone.
0: So that process of the downsizing and just kind of getting rid of things, all your stuff, yeah, it's a way to help people out is a really, really big thing that they want to make sure that they're taken care of before their kids, which is not all a bad thing.
1: Right. And you know what? We see people doing this all of the time and we hear our clients talking about having to go clean out mom and dad's house or go through their stuff or try to figure out what they're even dealing with. We hear about this all the time. I know you listening out there, either you've dealt with this or you know someone who has. So or you just got done doing it yourself yeah. and you don't ever
0: want to put that on your own children. Right. So, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a really big deal. It's very exhausting and a daunting task.
1: It really is. So the reason that we're talking about it is because... When you think about setting your loved ones up once you're no longer here, there are absolutely financial things you can be doing while you're alive to help people while you're no longer here. And there's good things that you can do that you can instruct them to do after you're gone. To kind of simplify. That will help them. Right. Yes.
0: Yep. <laughs> simplify that daunting task.
1: So we're going to talk a little bit about this whole death cleaning process as this uh, crazy book that we found out about um, <laughs> talks about, but then also translated into the financial do's and don'ts of death cleaning so that you can apply it and use it in a beautiful way rather than in the morbid way that this sounds. <laughs> so it is a positive thing. <laughs> right. All right, so I don't know if any of you out there are organizers or kind of like get giddy when you think about, you know, buying a new box and organizing your closets or something like that, but there is a, a tidying up guru whose name is Marie Kondo, and she wrote a book called, I believe, The Magical Art of Tidying Up, and it's all about, you know, simplifying, decluttering, getting rid of stuff, letting go of things, and <clears throat> What Marie Kondo says is to trash, recycle, or donate what you discard, but what the author of this death cleaning book is suggesting is that if you no longer want some things, another way outside of just trash, recycle, or donate is to give things that matter to you to family and friends when you see them.
0: Because it probably matters to them, Mm -hmm. and a lot of times people and your family members or your parents are thinking, hey, I'm going to give that to them when I die. And a lot of times it's just cluttering up in your house, sitting there waiting for you to die. Exactly.
1: (laughs) So give it to them now. So a lot of times we see that the younger generations, they don't want a bunch of stuff from parents or grandparents. And if you try to give them boxes and boxes of things at a time, it's very overwhelming.
0: Right. And they really maybe not understand what it is, what's the purpose that you kept this that long.
1: Right. So the most important things, if they're given one by one, and you are telling the story
0: of it with it, it's much more likely to stick. Right, and it's going to have a sentimental value that they're going to want to keep it and keep that, pass it on.
1: Yes. So one of the things that my mom has done, and I really appreciate this, and then I have seen other people do this as well, is they will write down a little bit of the story that goes with that item. Because even if somebody tells you something, It might be more meaningful to them than to you when you're hearing it. But, you know, 25 years later, if you pull that out and remember, oh, this was my great-grandmother's plate from her wedding or something like that, it means a little bit more as we get older. We get a little more
0: sentimental. And you're not going (laughs) to remember it from one conversation. So it is good to write things down. Yeah.
1: So So the more that you can give away and connect a story or tell a story – and then for the things that you're not doing that with that you would like them to kind of keep a hold of, the more that you can note the stories. My mom wrote down. Things about her knickknacks and things like that, mm-hmm. and they're in little pieces of paper under them
0: in the china cabinet. Yep, exactly. So mm-hmm. it's my mom is a post-it nerd. <laughs> a post-it nerd. <laughs> so she's got post-its all over the house. I it's love remember it. to change the laundry. Remember this. Remember that. So the post-its are awesome. So she's literally put post-its on things again, like on the bottom of mm-hmm. them or in the jar or something like that, just so we remember. So it's on there, and so we have a recollection of it.
1: Gotcha. So here's one thing that came from the book that I thought was fascinating is that there are some things that we all have that are sentimental just to us. It's not something that really needs to get passed down throughout the ages. It's just something that's meaningful to our own self. Maybe it's a ticket stub or a memento of something we did with our spouse or, you know, a note card or just something beautiful that you like to look at. And what this book suggests is that part of your process is that you have a box you keep this in that is called a throwaway box that you just let your kids know, you don't even have to bother going through this when I'm gone. This stuff can all be thrown away. It only matters to me while I'm here.
0: I love this concept and I like this yeah. throwaway box. It's really cool because it is the things that you cherish and it's something that you might want to go back through a few times, mm-hmm. you know, and you can just add things to it, but then it's just taking away that hassle at the end time.
1: Right. All right. So, so this whole morbid subject of death cleaning... <laughs> <laughs> Which is a little interesting to do this kind of show about. There are some definite tips and tricks of what you can do ahead of time. And the very best gift that you can give your family is to be organized ahead of time. Now, stepping away from talking about the stuff for just a minute, let's talk about the financial side of this. What can you do to ease the path for your family when you're gone from a financial perspective
0: right number one thing is the will making sure that you have a will first of all you have a will period yep (laughs) second of all the will is updated um it it says you know what your wishes are you know it doesn't have to be super in depth but a simple will just you know specifying out things that you have is going to eliminate a lot of times you know sibling rivalry sibling Mm fighting battles you know that type of thing just by having it named out it's it's taken off the list
1: yes and what you also can do to get organized is to have your power of attorneys in line. So a financial power of attorney is going to let people help take care of your money while you're alive, but not mentally competent to take care of your money. And healthcare care power of attorney is broader than a living will. It's going to say, this person can make my health care decisions if I'm not able to make them for myself.
0: Right. This is the one number one thing that people don't understand how impactful this can be because if something happened to you, you got in an accident and you're in the hospital, you need someone to be able to take care of those things. Otherwise, you don't have you know access to your accounts or access to your cash flow, anything mm-hmm. like that. So those are the power of attorneys are when you're alive. The will is when you're gone.
1: Absolutely. Now, another thing outside of the will that you can create is a trust. And people get very confused about trust. So let me just tell you a couple things about trust that are important to know. A revocable living trust means that revocable, you can change it. And living, it's only alive while you're alive. It's done when you're gone, right? Yeah. It becomes irrevocable when you're dead it doesn't die it doesn't die itself when you're dead because the rules of it still carry on but you can't change it anymore once you've passed away so a revocable living trust is like your alter ego so i'm mary Stirk, and i also have a mary Stirk revocable living trust that owns all my stuff like it owns my house it owns my business shares it owns my bank accounts it owns my investments that are not the iras and things like that And that trust is set up so that I can dictate how things are going to flow when I'm gone. And it prevents there being any fighting or any gray area when it comes to distributing the wealth
0: and the estate that
1: I've built during
0: my life. Right. And what a lot of people don't know, too, is that a trust trump a will yes so that's a big factor too if you go to get the trust you have to keep in mind if you still have that will what things do you need to maybe update or change in there
1: so a lot of times if you have a will and a trust your your will will be what's called a pour over will and basically what that means is hey if I forgot to put anything into my trust then pour it on over into it after I'm dead <laughs> <laughs> I want the rules of that to apply to everything else right. too So that's kind of a nice way to do it. So just having a trust does not mean you don't need a will. You still need a will as your primary document. And then the trust is going to be the secondary piece of it that you would create. But it may actually be much more meaningful than the will itself because of what you put into the trust for provisions. Right.
0: There's huge, huge, um, it's very advantageous to have a trust if you need it because it can protect you tax-wise and everything else, too.
1: Right. Now... There's a couple different things to think about when it comes to these revocable living trusts, especially when you have kids. And we're going to talk about some of those provisions for kids when we come back from our break. And we're also going to talk a little bit about how to prevent family fighting by doing this type of work ahead of time. Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Sterk. And today we're talking about death cleaning.
0: What? <laughs> kind of a scary topic. But it's really know. pretty cool. <laughs> so
1: as we said earlier in the show, there's this crazy book that we came across called The Gentle Art of Swedish Death Cleaning, which really primarily is about getting organized, cleaning out things while you're still here as a gift to your family when you're not. And, you know, one of the things that's true is that People do engage in a certain type of death cleaning without even knowing it when they downsize their homes. Mm-hmm. You know, they're cleaning out their homes, they're making space, they usually are getting rid of a lot of things during that process. So, that actually is a form of what the Swedish people call death cleaning.
0: Without even knowing it. And I know that yeah. my mom has done a lot of that. All of a sudden, we'll be in a mode and she's got everything laid out and she said, Come get whatever you want. If not, it's going to the Goodwill. So, right. Now, sometimes people don't like bringing up this topic of death
1: cleaning, especially they don't like talking about it with their family. Most people aren't calling it this. (laughs) (laughs) So if you want to rephrase the idea, one way to present it in a way to get kind of buy-in from the rest of your family is hey, let's organize the house so it's a more enjoyable place for you to live and for us to have holidays.
0: Right. You're not really going to get your parents maybe on board if you're saying, hey, let's get rid of this junk before you leave. (laughs) (laughs) To them, it's not junk. (laughs) Right. You're not going to get them on board.
1: (laughs) So I think that, you know, when it comes to, like, what you want to have happen with your stuff when you're gone – That is, again, where those trusts come in that we were just talking about. And preventing fighting by having things lined up in a way that is going to help your family is going to go a long way to dealing with that. So here's what I mean by that. In a trust, it's typical for you to make provisions for your adult children or grandchildren. Because quite frankly, I don't think we want to give a bunch of money to 18-year-olds because that is a recipe for financial disaster.
0: (laughs) Now, I know some people or everybody probably has one of those kids out there if you have more than one kid. One is that's the super responsible. You'd be like, this one could handle it. And the other one, you're like, no, we better bump that up to 35. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: So here's my theory is I have mine set up in a way that when my kids are 25, then they will get a third of anything that they would get from a trust if I'm gone. When they're 30, they get another third. And when they're 35, they get the rest. And I have a full expectation that that first third that they get when they're 25, they are going to
0: completely blow. (laughs) (laughs) And just the fun stuff and everything that they've always wanted and they never could get.
1: (laughs) Even though they are children of a financial planner, I still think they're going to blow it.
0: So that's the idea of putting it into them in tranches. It's just hopefully by the second round of money, they're going to be a little bit more responsible.
1: Yeah. And by that third one, they're going to be like, yep, this is the last one, Mom. I'm not going to blow this one. I better take care of it. Make it last. Right. And so that's the kind of planning that you can do in a trust. Okay. Now, Julie, your family kind of has an interesting, you know, issue because you're a farm family.
0: We're a farm family. So Mom, it's not a huge farmland that my parents have, but it's about 200 acres and there's eight of us children mm. and we're all pretty close. And, you know, everyone always says, oh, you know, something happening to the parents is never going to tear up the family, you know, and I've heard that all too often. Best laid plans, <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. But it is. It's, it's a huge thing. And um, my parents mainly want everything to be fair and want to give everything Mm -hmm. equally to the children well when that comes to farmland that's really hard to do
1: yeah i've heard it described with farmland very well this way is what is fair is not always equal and what's equal is not always fair right and Mm -hmm. that's probably the
0: hardest concept i'm trying to draw down it's just the fact of Really, we want our parents to be happy, not have to stress about it. So we've been doing a lot of planning ahead of time, talking with the family members, just so it's not a big shock to everyone. Mm -hmm. And again, to alleviate that battling at the end or, you know, uncertainty or making sure that this is what the parents' wishes were.
1: And what a beautiful gift because every minute that your family has spent while everybody is on the same page and wanting to get along prevents that issue from happening in the future. Right. It truly does. So I, I'm I'm so glad to know that in your situation they have you to help guide them through that. Since this is what you do for a living, it's kind of a blessing and a curse. <laughs> right? They're looking to you; but they might blame you. you. Yeah,
0: exactly. I'm, I'm going to get it both ways, probably. But no, but it really is good because it's just going to help eliminate that, you know, uncertainty and battles at the end, and that's right. what you don't want to have happen.
1: Yep. Now, one way that you can eliminate uncertainty and battles is by Being specific with what your wishes are. And we have a great guide for your beneficiaries that we would be happy to email out to you, where you can actually take some time to list out the things you want to specify. So even if you have a will, um, or a trust. a lot of times those documents will say, if there's any specific written bequests of stuff, then you know we want to honor those. but they're not necessarily attached to those legal documents. So inside this beneficiary guidelines that we can send you, not only does it help people understand where do you keep all your stuff, but it gives you an opportunity to list out the things that are most important to you of your stuff that you want to make sure get to certain people. So if you want to give your wedding ring to your oldest daughter or if you want to give the old Mustang in the garage to your youngest son because you spent hours working on it together, then that's something that you can list out and make sure that your family knows what your wishes were.
0: Right. And in the Beneficiary Guideline book, it's also going to cover all the different types of accounts that you need to specify having beneficiaries on and just having things named out correctly.
1: Now. Let's go to the other side of this for a moment and let's say that you're the person whose parent has passed away and they maybe didn't do such a good job of their death cleaning or maybe they didn't get all the way done with it and now you're in the position where you have your own life, you have a full-time job, you might be raising a family and all of a sudden you have
0: this house full of your parents' stuff that you have to deal with. Right. That can be overwhelming. Not only the fact that you've just lost, you know, your parents or loved ones, the fact that you have to go through and do all of this house cleaning or deep cleaning. Death cleaning, I Mm -hmm. guess, is, is another point of it after the fact. So it's really, really important to divide that up and get help from the siblings if they're there.
1: Yes. So from a stuff standpoint, dealing with the stuff, not the financial part. Number one, divide the physical labor. You don't have to take that all on yourself. Number two. Be thorough even when you're exhausted because your tendency will be to be thorough at first and then get so tired of dealing with it that you just kind of sift through stuff and aren't quite
0: so thorough and maybe miss stuff. Right. And you don't want to get rid of something that really does have sentimental value or whatever just because mm-hmm. you're to the point that you, you, you just stop caring and you can't look mm-hmm. anymore. So that's why it's really important to involve everybody and divide up that work.
1: Yep. Number 3 is hire an estate appraiser. So if the if there is a lot of old furniture, antique type things, things that you don't want but you think might have some value, an estate appraiser Followed by maybe a liquidation sale or an auction is a way to help you deal with distributing out the stuff. Right.
0: After everyone's kind of come in and taken the things that they want as far as the family members, mm-hmm. you really want to get the best dollar. And it's very hard to do that when you might be emotionally attached to some of that stuff. So right. bringing someone in a buy part you know, that who's non-biased is going to get you the best price.
1: A lot of times if you're going to do a liquidation sale or an auction, they have teams of people that will come into the home and help get it ready, mm-hmm. which can be incredibly helpful. especially if you're trying to deal with this all on your own
0: right can be take a lot of the a lot of the guesswork out of what Mm -hmm. what to price something at and it's going to get you get rid of everything and be done
1: and don't be afraid to use money from the estate to actually hire people to help you with these jobs because it is a big thing and if let's say you're the sibling that lives in the same town where your parents are and so this job has fallen mostly to you (laughs) but all the money in the estate is supposed to get split equally, well, this is now not fair. Right, exactly. (laughs) So it's okay to visit with the executor of the will or if you're the executor to utilize funds from the estate to help you clean out and do this process so that you are not so overloaded with it. Right. Now, on the financial side of things, you want to make sure you do keep all financial documents because you are going to have to help the estate file a final tax return. And you can't really do that until you know where everything is, what all the investments were, make sure all the money gets distributed and handled. And those financial documents are going to be key to helping you figure that out.
0: So if you don't necessarily maybe live in the town where your parents were, it's good to forward the address because yep. to you if you're the one handling everything. So you continue getting all that mail because a lot of times we'll have people come in and say, Hey, I just got this notice in the mail that they have some stock somewhere or something right right they have you know property or something like that
1: and we would recommend that she forward the mail for at least one year because certain types of accounts only send a statement out once a year And if you miss that, your first, you know, in like the first quarter or six months of looking at things, there could be something that shows up later that is just totally
0: missed if you don't have that mail forwarded for a full year. Yeah. And you don't want to go ahead and close out, have the estate call closed out and then have to turn around and reopen it. And reopen it. it. (laughs) Yeah. That's not fun.
1: fun. No. All right. So although the name of the show today is a little shocking, (laughs) there's a lot of good tips. We hope that you have been able to glean some good tips and tricks to help set yourself up to give this beautiful gift of organization and um, relief to your family by doing some of the work ahead of time and if you're the family that the tasks have fallen to that there's some tricks and tips in here that is going to make your road a little bit easier. So thanks for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk.
0: Insurance offered through Sturt Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial. Sturt Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dunes, South Dakota, 57049, and can be reached at 605-217-3555.